What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the incredible opportunity to hang out with Charlotte Cardin over Zoom video. Charlotte was born and raised in Montreal and talks about how she got into music. Does not come from a musical household as far as musicians go, but a family of music lovers. Charlotte started on piano at a very early age, four or five years old. Her mom and dad put her into uh, piano lessons. But around seven is when she was put in vocal lessons. And that kind of opened the door for her as far as music went. She loved, loved singing and loved uh, being in vocal lessons. She talked about writing her first song around 12 years old and actually finding the piece of paper recently at her parents' house of that very, very first song she ever wrote and actually having the melody and everything come back to her, just knowing how the song went, which is quite incredible. Charlotte was on the Canadian version of The Voice around 18. She talks about that. After the show, she took three years kind of off from releasing music to find her voice and find out what she wanted to say. And she talks about putting out that first EP and those first few songs and having them really resonate with, with people. We hear about Charlotte's first two EP releases on that second EP being nominated for a couple of Juno awards. She talks about putting out that first album, the success of the album scoring four Juno wins, which is amazing. And we hear all about the process and the new album, which is called 99 Nights. She talks a lot about that. And the most recent song that she's released, which was actually a part of the same batch of songs for 99 Nights and the different versions and variations of the song and how it kind of morphed into this hybrid of French and English. And that song's called Feel Good. You can check that out as well. And you can check out the video version of this interview on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Charlotte Cardin. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? I'm good. Sorry, I'm a few minutes late. For some reason, my uh, just my the power went off in my house for like a minute, and so oh my god, yeah, I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Maybe it's gonna rain. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you again so much for doing this. Thank you so much. I'm sorry we had to reschedule a few times. I'm glad we finally, you know, found figured out the right time to do this of course yeah don't apologize uh super easy so yeah i'm adam it's very nice to meet you thank you so much for doing this likewise i'm charlotte nice to meet you nice to meet you uh blake i think is there any way you can oh hold on i'm gonna mute you sorry there we go perfect <laughs> she kept kind of popping up and then it'll the video will get a weird um awesome well this is about you and your journey in music and we'll talk about the album and you just released another new song didn't you i did yeah a few weeks ago a song um uh, mostly in french so yes up a little bit yeah yeah i love it and then the chorus is in english it's great yeah exactly bilingual okay. very very cool um so first off I, I did read you're originally from montreal born and raised there 
Yes, I was born and raised in Montreal. I live in Paris now, though, but uh, I'm currently in Montreal because I had a little bit of promo this week. So, you know, just spending a little bit of time with my family back in the studio a little bit. And uh, U.S. tour starts in a few days. So just kind of trying to get my body clock to adapt a little bit right now. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, you have a massive tour coming up. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, we just finished uh, a European run. So we had some really lovely shows and uh, a bunch of countries in Europe and uh, the U.S. tour starts now. We have like, yeah, some, about 15 dates in the States and then a few dates in uh, the West of Canada is going to be really fun. Um, yeah, I we haven't toured in the States in a really long time because we had a, a nice little tour planned for the first album, but because of the pandemic, it kind of everything got pushed back and then a bunch of shows got canceled. So we ended up only playing three or four shows in the States on the last tour. So it's nice to like actually have a proper run in the U.S. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so from Montreal originally, or do you come from a musical hustle at all? Not at all. I mean, no, so that, that's not my parents aren't musicians, but they're okay. big music fans. So like I grew up in a in a household where like there was always music playing, but my parents are scientists, so they they're not, oh, wow. you know, in the music field at all. Um, but they are huge music lovers. So, yes, I did grow up in a, in a very musical household. Um, I just didn't really know it was like possible to, you know, make music for a career like that's just not I didn't have anyone in my you know in my in my close circle that was Mm -hmm. um you know a professional musician so in my mind it was kind of like you know you either study for years and years and years and years like my parents did and then that's kind of like a life path or you know I just had like more traditional I guess um references so I'm like the first one to do um music for a living in my in my family Wow. Yeah. I mean, to have two parents that are scientists, that's going to be such a different, you know, a life path versus being a musician. But I mean, I guess there's a lot of math if you really broke down music. There is a lot of math. Yeah, it's actually yeah. a very like mathematic, but it's also I mean, it, yeah, it's it's a it's a math it's and creative. A, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a nice blend of, of both. 100 yeah. percent. So did you start playing music at a very early age? Like, were you, did your parents put you in piano lessons or anything like that when you were young? Yeah, I kind of went through the, the, the I guess the, uh, the, the, the classic, like piano lessons when I was, uh, 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 I was maybe five or six when I started piano lessons. Uh, my mom wanted me to play an instrument, but I didn't like piano. Like I never practiced, didn't like it very much, didn't like my teacher. And so when I was like seven, my mom was like, okay, well, you you should switch instruments because she still wanted me to have that like musical knowledge. She saw that I was, you know, I was very musical from a young age. So she was like, I want you to have a little bit of, of I guess, yeah, the, the music theory um, mm-hmm. side of things. And so I got into singing lessons when I was seven and I loved it so much. I never, I never, never, ever stopped. And it was kind of one of those things where, you know, I was always singing around the house and I was, but I once again, didn't know it was something that you could like really work at and, and, and like cultivate and work on the craft and work on the, on the technique and all of that. And so when I started singing lessons, it kind of opened me up to so many possibilities. And I was like, wow, this is something that's so like rich and fulfilling and I can work so hard on this. And so it was kind of my first real passion for something. And, and, and it just really, 
never left. So mm-hmm. I was lucky to, I guess, discover that at a young age. At what age did you kind of start, uh, decide to start writing songs or was it something that you had always kind of journaled and then made it into songs? Like at, at what point were you like, oh, wow, I can kind of put these, I can create my own music, so to speak. Um, writing my own songs came a little bit later, but I think I was probably 12 or 13 when I started writing my own oh, stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it, so it's, it's so funny because I actually recently, um, found like one of the first songs I had ever written, like, just like on a loose leaf. And I, and I, and I found it at my parents' house and, uh, the melody just came right back to me. Like I never forgot it, but it's, it's just funny. It, it was, you know, kind of like one of those super dramatic love songs. And I had at that point, like never talked to a boy in my life. So it's like, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, you know, just the, the, the dramatic side. Um, but yeah, I started writing songs when I was, yeah, maybe 12 or 13 and I got deeper into it, um, during my teenage years. And it was always like, I guess a way for me to process my emotions. And, and I've always been like pretty anxious and, always dealt with, you know, I've always felt my emotions very, very intensely. And so that was like my way of, of processing that and kind of escaping sometimes the thoughts that were a little mm-hmm. bit too much for me to handle. And so it was always a bit of a therapy for me to write music and it still is to this day. Okay. And with that, like, were you like, were you performing your own songs at any point, like, like through high school? And was there like a moment where you were like, I mean, not growing up in the traditional or growing up more in the traditional household or of like, you know, here's a career path. You go to school and you learn this yeah. and then you do this. Like, was there a moment or, or something that kind of sparked where you're like, wow, I can actually do this like for a job or like, did you have a validating moment that kind of pushed you in that direction? Yeah. So I was actually when I was 18, I was on The Voice, which is. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah I did read that. Yeah, the, we had, we had it in Canada. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, for a lot of different reasons, it was a, a weird experience. It was kind of like, you know, it's it's not an experience that's representative of what being an artist is like and what, you know, <laughs> you know, writing your songs and trying to get people to show up to the concerts and, you know, all of that. But it was the first time that I realized that maybe more people than just like my very close circle and my family enjoyed, you know, my music. And I was like, oh, like this is something that I feel puts me in very close connection to like an audience. I can bond with people through this thing and I can, you know, tell stories and people relate to them. And that was kind of like the first time that I had that realization. I'm sure, you know, it would have happened a different way if it wasn't for that, because I I truly feel like, you know, making music was kind of what I was destined to be doing, but it's, it, that was for me the moment where I was like, oh, I want to do this for a living. Like there is no way that I, I was at that point, I was studying sciences and in school and I was like, I'll be a doctor and I'll, you know, just kind of do the, that was what I thought was the right thing to do, but I really wasn't passionate about any of that. And so, yeah, being on, on that reality show was kind of the the moment for me where I realized that was 11 years ago and truly like, the real work comes after being on a show like that. You know, it's like, so you do build a little bit of a fan base, but a lot of people who discover you on in, in a context like that don't necessarily 
appreciate you for the music that you really want to be making or your own songs because it's, you know, it's a show where you sing covers and it's just Mm -hmm. like a couple minutes a week where they see you and you're, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's, everything is uh, very, is not very representative of the actual work of a musician, but it gave me that validation that people wanted to hear me sing. And that was kind Mm -hmm. of the, what I needed at that point. And so for that, I'm, I'm grateful that I had the experience. Today, hip hop dominates pop culture, but it wasn't always like that. And to tell the story of how that changed, I want to take you back to a very special year in rap. 88, it was too much good music. The world was on fire. fire yeah. I'm Will Smith. This is Class of 88, my new podcast about the moments, albums, and artists that inspired a sonic revolution and secured 1988 as one of hip-hop's most important years. We'll talk to the people who were there. And most of all, we'll bring you some amazing stories. You know what my biggest memory from that tour is? It was your birthday. Yes, and you brought me to Sade, life-size cardboard cutout. (laughs) This is Class of 88, the story of a year that changed hip-hop. Listen to Class of 88 wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge the entire series right now on the Amazon Music app or Audible. Obviously, you get put on kind of a a stage where more people are exposed to who you are. But there's so many people that have went through those type of shows. I mean, thousands upon thousands and not a whole lot of them really make it to the the, yeah to the big I mean, to the next level. Right. I mean, and then you kind of some people kind of get stuck with that stigma of like, oh, that's Charlotte from The Voice or from this show or whatever. And you were able to totally create your own path and and be so successful in in that in, you know in the music industry i think yeah i mean it's true so many people go through these shows and and for a lot of reasons they're not they're not great because you know i i think like everyone signs a very, very stiff contract at the beginning of the show. If you win, you're kind of tied to a label that's not necessarily the best label you would have signed to if you had the options. Like it's not, it's not positive in, you know, every way. Uh, For me, it was, it was important that after I got off the show, so I didn't win, I made it to the finals, which was kind of a huge blessing, but it was, it was, such a blessing though. Like I think about it every day because I'm like, I would have had, I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I had afterwards. Like I had the visibility. So some people discovered me through the show. I think a small part of my fan base now probably discovered me back then. Uh, I think my fan base also evolved and and changed since, but some people discovered me there. Um, But, you know, I think, as you said, a lot of people, I think, get caught up in the the craze that's so like it, you become famous in two seconds and people are like, oh, like I want to listen to their music, but then they forget you two months later. And so for me, it was kind of I needed to step away from that. So when I got off the show, I took three years before I even released one song. I needed to, I guess, 
compose myself and try to see what I wanted to do with my music, who I was as an artist. I needed to take the time to discover those things and, and to not be, I guess, um, influenced by the fact that I had this kind of momentary success, but I was also, I had a voice inside of me that was like, you know what, like the success that you're getting isn't necessarily for the right reasons right now. So you need to shift your mindset a little bit and take the time to discover who you are as an artist. And I'm really glad I did that because when I look back at like the songs and the things that I was singing and, you know, all, all of that and the things that I did right after the show aren't representative at all of, you know, who I am as a woman, as an artist, you know, as, and so taking the time after a show like that is the last thing that people tell you to do because they're like, you need to ride the wave. You need to grasp the opportunity. But for me, it was such a blessing that I didn't do that. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I would imagine most people are like, you need a now is the time to release something because you're in the public eye at this point and people know who you are and you want to keep that momentum going. But to step back and be like, uh, you know, I don't know. This isn't what I want to be. This isn't the music and this isn't the sound I want. I'm going to go in this direction. So after three years and then finally putting something out, like, were you I mean, you're almost do you feel like you were kind of starting over at that point because it'd been you were kind of so separated from the show at that point? A little bit. Yeah, I think um, I felt like it, it was a weird like combination of, yes, a part of me was kind of starting over, also starting over from scratch, like trying to get a few people to come to my very small shows and, you know, starting playing in little pubs and tiny little venues and just having my family there. And, you know, it was kind of in that sense, it was it, it, I had a feeling of starting over, but also I had known all this time that that was what I wanted to do. So it didn't feel like I was completely changing something. It's just, mm -hmm. I knew that I was looking for something that I hadn't truly discovered yet. And so I needed to take the time to get there. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was solid enough of a songwriter when I got off the show. I needed to work on that. I needed to travel and, and meet new people and, you know, get my heart broken and, and do all those things that would inspire me to, write songs. I felt like I was at a point where I hadn't experienced enough things to feel comfortable. Yeah. Presenting myself as an artist and knowing exactly what I wanted to say. Like I, I just needed to live a little bit and I'm glad that I did because once I put out my first song, I really believed in the project that I was sharing with the world. And um, I think, you know, I think people feel that. I think people relate to personal things and, and relate when someone's able to be authentic in the way that they're, they're sharing their music. And I needed to take the time to find that and to know what I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously it resonated with people in that way. I mean, like, like you said, I feel like with people being authentic, I think that's why like the TikToks and the social media stuff works for people that when it's just like, here's my phone and me, right. Sitting yeah. here talking versus like, all these bells and whistles and production value and everything else where it's just like, this is my song. Here it is. This is truly me and people, you know, resonate. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's true. Social media really does have a, a big impact on people. I think for that reason, and, and it's getting, I feel like when social media first started a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, filters and alterations to photos and stuff, but, but shit's just getting realer and realer. And, and I really appreciate that about like 
that's a side of social media that I like. It's just kind of when it's related to music, it's just no fuss. It's just people singing and, and none of the, you know, none of the, the sugar coating. It's just real. And it, and it, and people feel that and, and relate to that. Definitely. If you're an independent artist, you may know the struggle of you got these great songs how do I get them in front of record labels, radio DJs, get them on Spotify playlists? How does this happen? Well, friends, this is Adam from Bringing It Backwards, and I'm going to tell you about this amazing website called DropTrack. DropTrack will get you a free press release for your music with the new AI-powered PR agent from DropTrack. DropTrack has helped thousands of independent musicians actually get their music heard by connecting them with record labels, radio DJs, Spotify playlist curators. And now DropTrack is leveraging the power of AI to help you promote your music. It's super simple. All you have to do is upload your song and then DropTrack will write a professional, personalized press release that describes your music all in just seconds. Then DropTrack helps you share it with the world. You might ask yourself, Adam, why do I need a press release for my music? Well, you need a press release because you need to be able to describe your music in words. You can send the press release to record labels or radio programmers, media outlets, and these industry folk and your fans will actually be able to read about your music before they even press play on the song. This will also get them interested in your music so they want to listen to it. A really good friend of mine's been an independent musician for a number of years, written so many great songs, but he's like, why do I need a press release? So I explained to him the importance of the press release, being able to describe the music. People know what they're getting into before they even press play. He drops his song into drop track. It writes this beautiful press release. Then all he has to do is just send it out. Super simple. What are you waiting for? Get a press release for your own song. Try it now for free at www.droptrack.com. That's droptrack.com. That's D-R-O-P-T-R-A-C-K, droptrack, droptrack.com. Check it out today. So you put out a couple of EPs before the the, the first album, and you, you won a bunch of, you were nominated for a bunch of pro, uh, different, you know, contests and things. I mean, you must have, were you getting kind of slow validation, not slow, but like you're, you're obviously getting, building a fan base and getting validation through these songs from kind of right out after the, the first single Is that right. Um, so you mean like when I first put out my, my first yeah. couple EPs? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you put out big boys, the first song you release, right. Yeah. And then like that does really well. And then, so you're, mm. you're continuing to put out music and gaining more and more fans like i would imagine that'd be you'd kind of know like this is where the, i'm definitely i'd made the right move right i made the right yeah. move from like taking that time yeah i definitely um felt that it was a really good feeling especially after taking the time and 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 yeah doing it that way but i think um you know my my career kind of just built in a very organic natural way like I feel like it was always very motivating for me to see that I would play a very small venue and the next time a few more people were there and a few more people and it kind of just built gradually and I and still to this day I'm feeling like there's 
there are more and more people discovering slowly the project and, and, and I have a really loyal fan base and I'm so grateful for my fans. A lot of them have been there from the start. And so, but I definitely did feel that even from the first single. And I, I think um, something happened where a lot of people that maybe had discovered me on the voice were like, Oh, I'm not into that. And they kind of, you know, I guess, um, yeah, they, they, they kind of left the fan base and, and it, it helped me, I guess, um, find a little bit more precision and finding a little bit more precision in my sound kind of helped me, I guess, like phase out the fans that weren't there for the right reasons and, mm-hmm. and make new fans that were there and were super loyal and kind of just really, um, latched on and, and stayed with me this entire time. And so, um, Big Boy was really cool for that because it was different from what I had, from what people had heard of me before, but it was truly me. So it just kind of opened um, the path for things that I really wanted to be doing and that I really wanted to be sharing with people. And um, I put out my first EP a few months after Big Boy and yeah, that did do well. And But I I just kept releasing things at a very slow pace kept, I guess, figuring stuff out about myself and about songwriting. And I ended up putting out my first album in 2021. It's called Phoenix. And um, my second album came out a little bit over two years later. So that's just been, for me, it's just been such a fun process this entire time. Like, I feel like I'm still learning so much about songwriting and about myself through songwriting. Like it's so motivating for me to be able to play around with different sounds always. Like there will always be new music to explore. There will always be new stories to tell. And like, for me, that's just so exciting about what I do. I feel so grateful that I can find endless ways of telling those stories, you know? Mm -hmm. And with the, (laughs) I mean, with that debut out, I mean, you, not only that the second EP, you know, you get a couple of Juno nominations, which is massive. And then the album comes out and you get, I think you what four <laughs> on, on the Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, th- that's talk about like, yeah, like a validating moments in the career, just kind of building and building and building. Um, you said that you're, you were trying to tour or you were in the midst of touring Phoenix or you're going to tour Phoenix when the pandemic happened and that kind of stopped everything for you. So I actually put out Phoenix um, at the end of the pandemic. Okay. Um, So we had planned a tour that was like starting a little bit, you know, maybe like six months after the release of the album. So we weren't touring immediately with Phoenix, but then a second wave hit when we, Uh, or like maybe it was like the fourth or fifth wave, but another wave of the pandemic hit. Um, And so we had to cancel a few dates, um, especially in in the States that we weren't able to um, postpone. So we just had to cancel a few shows. So that was a bummer. But we did end up doing a really lovely uh, tour. We had a lot of shows in Europe, a lot of shows in Canada with Phoenix. Um, But we did tour like kind of, I think the tour started eight months after the album was put out. And so I like finished touring with Phoenix and a few months later I was putting out 99 nights. So kind of everything was shifted a little bit, um, yeah. but it kept it very dynamic and, and, and fun and different. So it's, it's just been, um, yeah, it's been a really exciting few years. When did you start working on 99 nights? To, I mean, you must've had a lot of time obviously with the pandemic and were you working on it at that point? Cause you probably had the songs from Phoenix done. Like, tell me about, starting starting the album and uh, was it a different 
approach or what, what like going into 99 nights how different was that from phoenix so yes yeah, so i did start writing the album um during the pandemic it was actually at the very end so i put out phoenix and as i mentioned i wasn't touring right away and so i had time on my hands and i was like oh let's just start writing the next album phoenix had been done for a while so i hadn't been in the studio in a few months and so um we went back to the studio in montreal um it was during one very specific summer where i was going through a lot in my personal life i was kind of i just felt like i was at a crossroads in a lot of different parts of my life i was you know asking myself all these questions and um and so I really used that um, creative process for 99 Nights to kind of escape all of that and to have, spend some lovely time with my friends and write songs with them and just have fun and try to not think about what I was going through. And so it was actually a very, very liberating process to write this album. And I called it 99 Nights because it's kind of representative of that summer where a lot of the first sparks and a lot of the inspiration for the album was figured out. Um but yeah, to paint a picture, it was kind of it, it, my my friend Matt, who's my bassist, who produced a, a, a big part of the album. He had just moved into a tiny little apartment in Montreal, and he basically only had like a little couch, a few guitars and his computer. And we were kind of like sitting on the floor writing music. It was like 35 Celsius outside. It was like a massive heat wave. And it was just like it was just such a a. a a vibe that I will never forget. Like it's just a very precise moment of my life where I was writing music to make myself feel better and spending time with my friends. Like it was a very collaborative album. And I think you can kind of feel that playfulness to it on the album. Like on the one hand, it's a little bit nostalgic because it talks about a lot of things that are super important to me. I was going through a lot when I wrote it, but it's also a super playful album that I wrote with my friends you know, sitting on the floor in a little apartment and just kind of having fun and not in trying not to ask ourselves too many questions in the present moment. And so you can kind of feel that duality on the album. And that's what I really like about it. It just takes me back to a super specific moment of my life. Yeah. I mean, the lyrics on the album are incredible and they do, does have the playful side, but then the deep side, I mean, how high is such a great song? Uh, when it goes to like, yeah, that deep, even uh, daddy's a psycho, like just the, the first line about cutting your feet on eggshells and just like, yeah. I just love you know, the metaphors you use. Uh, and then you also have a song like Jim Carrey where it has depth and obviously a lot of depth to it, but it's also kind of funny. Like I want to marry Jim Carrey, Jim but Carrey. Then the, and then like the eat, but then the, 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 the hook of, about giving up your ego. I mean, like, it's just kind of a balance and. I just, I love the album. I love the way that you, you write. I think it's brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah. Jim Carrey is definitely a good example of that, like duality. Like, I think if you just listen to it without really paying attention to the lyrics, it just sounds super playful. It's obviously a little bit humoristic in the way, in the approach and um, it, but it's, but it's basically a song about trying to get rid of your ego to find freedom. And uh, Jim Carrey has, I don't know if you're like familiar with, all of his inspirational side and how, oh, yeah. he, how he's like done lots of speeches and talks about, you know, liberating yourself from that ego and, and embracing who you are and, and showing yourself and all your vulnerability and all your imperfections. And um, I really resonated with that when I 
still to this day, but but especially in the moment that I was in writing the album, I just really resonating resonated with his speeches and his talks and interviews about that. And so I just wrote a song about, yeah, wanting to marry him for him to help me liberate myself from my ego. Um, so it's definitely playful, but it's also, as you said, it's it's a super meaningful subject for me. Yeah, and, and I totally relate to that. I mean, ego for me is one of my major character defects and it's like not even like it's not like a i'm so awesome it's like i just put my get myself kind of caught up where it, it's not it is my ego and my you know my feelings and getting hurt and when i can mm. just step back when it's when it, but it's but yeah yeah giving it up to being free and and just the way that you word it in the chorus and i love the 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 way that you the sing it like how, how the, just the hook itself it's like so good Thank you so much. Yeah. But I think, I think it's, it's for everyone, you know, I, I think ego is something that not on, it's not the same for everyone, but in, but everyone has at least a part of their life where, you know, they have that negative voice in their head. That's not allowing them to just kind of move forward. And for me, I know it's just going to be like a lifelong challenge to try mm. to, to put that voice aside. Like I'm very, self-critical and, and, you know, trying to, yeah, trying to just follow my instincts rather than the, the voices in my head that might be dragging me down will be for a forever battle. But it's, you know, I guess the first step, first step is, is realizing it and then trying to deal with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, like you said in the beginning, just how you kind of handle your emotions or you, as even as a young kid, you would write everything out as a song and it feel like this album was a very therapeutic, you know, uh, project for you. Definitely. And it was therapeutic in a very, um, in a very like, how can I say this? Like, I, f I feel like whereas Phoenix, my first album was therapeutic, but in a, in a painful way. Um, this one is therapeutic in a very healthy way. It was kind of like spilling my heart out, but also just, embracing the present moment, spending time with friends, surrounding myself with people that made me feel good in a moment where I needed that. Whereas Phoenix was like going back into my old wounds and trying to heal them. So it was kind of a, of a, yeah, of a harder process for me to write Phoenix. Whereas this one was a therapy, but in a, in a healthy way, which felt good to realize that, you know, it's, it, it's good sometimes to be a little bit softer on yourself and to just heal through positive things rather than heart wrenching experiences. Yeah. I did read a quote from you. You said that you're happier than you've ever been in a long time and just being positive. Yeah. And then that's, that's still true. And I think that album helped me, you know, achieve that in a lot of ways. And life is full of ups and downs and I feel very happy right now. I feel very grateful for music and for my fan base and for connection through music. Like, I feel like it's something that makes me feel like I belong. And, and I think music is so, is so strong for that. Like it, it brings people together. So whether I'm in an audience watching a show or I'm performing or I'm, you know, listening to music, it just makes people feel connected. And I think, um, more than ever, I was feeling like I really, really needed that. And, uh, and so I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. 
And then the new one, obviously, still staying positive with feel good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, feel good is a is is a fun one. It was actually feel good had a lot of different lives as a song. Like it was one of the first demos that we wrote for the ninety nine nights album, and we ended up not putting it on there because it started off as a song that was all in English, and it was mm. super like super house dancey. Didn't really fit on the album, even like in the storytelling, it was kind of just like a weird one. And uh, I didn't really, I wasn't able to find its right spot on the album. So I was like, let's hold on to it a little bit and, and longer and not, and not release it for now. And when we finished writing 99 nights, I was still feeling like I needed to create new things. And I, I, I still felt inspired. And so my producer, Jason was like, remember that song feel good, feel good. I, he was like, I feel like we could go back to it and kind of, modify it and he came up with the, the idea of translating it to to a french song and keeping the chorus in english so we changed everything about the song except for the chorus that was still that remained very similar to the the original demo but yeah it's a song that kind of went through all these phases and um i yeah at one point i, I didn't thought i was I, I didn't think i was gonna release it but we reworked on it and and you know sometimes it, songs just take a brand new shape and and I kind of discovered a new way of telling that story through a different language and and I really loved that song once it was translated and and we kind of decided to just release it as a single a few weeks after the album it's it's super important for me to make music in both languages and none of the album uh, not none of the songs on the album were in French so I was like yeah. why not just release that little token like spontaneously and and yeah, just have fun with it. I love that. When it comes, to, and this might be an ignorant question, I'm just curious. Like when it comes to writing, like if, like when you wrote "Feel Good" and said, in the version where you're like, okay, let's do in, in French, right? Lyrically, it, are you thinking in a different manner when you're it, just like how the flow of the language goes or anything like that? Do you have to kind of like skew it that way? Yeah, for me, it's it's definitely different when I write in both languages. Um, it's kind of it's always been harder for me to write in French. It's a, it's a language that um, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just harder. I think, I think in a general way, I think anyone would agree that French is a harder language to make, you know, sound kind of like melodic and, and warm. Whereas English is a, a, a language that really applies perfectly to music. It has a musicality to it. Words are shorter as well, which makes it easier to tell a story. Whereas in French, to express an idea, you need like 10 more words than you do in English. It's just like, okay. so it's always been a little bit harder for me to write in French, but I love the challenge. And I also love that I express different parts of myself in that language. Like I feel like certain emotions inside of me are connected to either language and I don't, express them in the same way when I speak, you know, one of, one of the two. And so, um, I need to write in both to feel like I'm expressing everything I want to express. Um, but writing in French is definitely a bigger challenge for me. Um, but, but it's something I love to work on it. And, and when I do end up with a song that I like in French, it's like, it doubles the satisfaction because of that challenge, you know? Yeah. I love that. It's interesting knowing that you have to make you know you probably have to condense a lot more it sounds like you to explain something you said in a few words in english it's 10 words in french so it's like okay how am i going to say what i want but then really condense this down so it makes sense in 
shorter, you know, shorter than 10 words or however it may yeah, yeah. And, over. And especially like in music, you wanted, you want things to sound like catchy and, you know, you want to express an idea that doesn't take like three verses to get to the point, you know, so it's, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's definitely a challenge in, in music. Um, but it is, it's such a beautiful language and it's, it's also oh, yeah. a very musical language. It's just in a, in a very different way. So it's kind of like different parts of my brain that are stimulated when I write in French. So it's it's super fun to be able to do both. Um, I'm just not as used to writing in French as yeah. I am in English. I love it. Well, thank you again, Charlie, for doing this. Like, uh, best of luck on the you know, big tour you have coming up, or the continuation, I guess, of this tour uh, in the states yeah. and in uh, West. I think you said Western Canada. Um, and thanks for for taking time to do this. I really really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I have one more question for you before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah, I think um, I think taking your time is something that's, uh, you know, that people don't encourage as much. And that's something that I definitely encourage, especially kind of going back to what we talked about a few minutes ago. Like, I think taking your time to figure out what you really want to say and how you want to say it is really important rather than just like rushing into like releasing tons of songs. Um, there's so much music out there, you know, figure out what you want to be talking about and also just be kind. Those are the two things. 